Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us on this Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. On today's show, we're going to be talking about Duke men's basketball getting set for the NCAA tournament. The Blue Devils are prepared to take on Oral Roberts tomorrow in Orlando to get the big dance off and running in this one. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast for free. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can watch the show daily each and every day on YouTube as we continue to make our climb towards 1,000 subscribers. On today's show, I'm so fired up to bring on my good pal, Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. We're going to be talking about this Duke basketball team, the run they made through the ACC tournament, and this matchup against Oral Roberts. The experience of the Golden Eagles versus these Duke freshmen who are stepping into their first March Madness here this weekend. So without further ado, my pal Connor O'Neill joins us. And Connor, I got to tell you, you look at this matchup, I'm really, really excited uh, to see this one unfold. I'm excited to see the... um... I don't know if you can use David and Goliath when they're on the same team, but a six foot star and a seven foot five star. I, I want to know if there's ever been that big of a height differential between the two best players on a team. So that's, that's Max Asmus and Connor Vanover for, to, to kind of bring you up to speed on Oral Roberts. If you don't know of those guys already in the, in a little preview set up for the game. That is so perfect. Like, you're right. I don't know that we necessarily can go David and Goliath since they were going toe-to-toe against one another. Uh, We need to think of someone who's on the same team. So, no, that's perfect. Super excited to see uh, what that matchup kind of looks like. Before we get to the matchup, though, we got to catch up. we got to talk about this Duke basketball team who goes to Greensboro. They run through their competition. They only trail for four and a half minutes out of 120 minutes out there on the basketball floor, and they walk away ACC tournament champions. Last week, you were telling us directly, Connor, on this very show, it really felt like Duke was turning a corner and that they were prepared to make some noise there in Greensboro. Yeah, all things have have been clicking. Um, You look back at these last nine games, and there's only these brief pockets where you can point at and say Duke wasn't playing its best basketball. Right. Uh, like things got a little wobbly in the last couple of minutes against NC State, but they did a whole lot of things to be up double digits uh, in the second half of that game. You know, maybe the Louisville game was uncomfortable because of how bad Louisville was, but that still wound up being a 17 point win. And then you go to Greensboro and uh, it dawned on me driving down here last week or uh, last night. Uh, five ACC teams made the NCAA tournament. Duke's one of them, so four others. And Duke played three of the four in order to win an ACC championship. Like, they ran Pitt off the court. They beat Miami in the kind of redemption tour game and then beat Virginia in in what was kind of the ultimate redemption tour game. Uh, so it's a, it's a team that, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I was talking to some people in Greensboro. It's like – 
a couple times over this nine game winning streak, you just I found myself thinking, all right, they've they've got things going in the right direction, but when are when's the slip coming? When's the when's the step backward gonna happen? It just hasn't been there. Yeah. They they had those moments in the first three months. Like you know, they you know, to to kind of jog your memory, uh they beat Iowa and and um cleaned up at the last non-conference game and then went to wake and lost by 11. Uh, they beat Xavier in Portland and come back two days later and get blitzed by Shaq Eady. Um, they, you know, they beat Pitt on a Wednesday night and then go down to Clemson and lay an egg. They beat Miami by two the following weekend. And then two days later, turn around and go to Virginia tech and lose to a team that had lost seven straight games. So this team was always it, – it felt like one and two steps forward, one step back. And that step back just hasn't come. And uh, that's maturity. It's growth. It's it's coaching. Um, that is something that I, I can't get enough of right now is saying that John Shire has done a masterful job in year one to be a not only a first-year coach at Duke but a first-time head coach. Um, first time having his – having his fingers and hands in everything and every aspect of the program. Um, he's done a great job and this team is, is right there as a, you know, dare I say final four contender because of it. Yeah. And you look at what they're doing right now and how well they're playing and it being John Shire's first run as a head coach and so much praise is going in his direction and rightfully so. But Connor, I ask you how difficult is it to quantify, to pinpoint exactly what in the world it is that Shire did for this team to turn the corner. Everyone's saying it, but what did he do? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just kind of the massaging of uh, young basketball players. I think it's just, you know, giving, like that. giving somebody like Derek Lively the confidence to play through, you know, I – I'd wager that the first two months of the basketball season were the worst two months Derek Lively has played in a long, long time in his basketball life. And to get him from that point to where he is now as one of the best defensive bigs in college basketball, as this guy who just, you know, everything revolves around him. You, We noticed it um, in Greensboro a couple times. He is – I'm, I'm going to steal a phrase from uh, Brendan Marks, my buddy with The Athletic. He's a traffic cop back there. He calls out everything, and and he's loud. He's 7'1". He's got a booming <laughs> voice. So he's just calling out everything on the back line, and you don't hear many freshman centers able to do that. Uh, that's that's just not – you know, they're, they're usually finding themselves still in their freshman year, and he's been able to, to take a jump forward. Um you know, Kyle Filipowski, John helping him mature help happened a lot earlier in his in his freshman season. It happened in the summer when Flip was, you know, not up to speed. And uh that that story that's out there that he got thrown out of practice is a little um exaggerated. Uh if you ask Flip, he he removed himself from the practice, but you know, that that was a process that they they showed him early what he would have to do to be a good college basketball player. He's been better than a good college basketball player as a freshman. Um, Tyrese Proctor's growth, Mark Mitchell's kind of steadiness, and he fought through a freshman wall in February. 
Um, all this stuff goes into, you know, John Shire, his staff, you know, it's, it's not just John talking to these guys, uh, one on whatever 12 or, or 10, it would be, um, Jay Lucas, Chris Carowell and Emil Jefferson deserve a ton of credit here, but the, the job of that staff with this young team, uh, I don't think it can be overstated. Here I was having a hard time kind of quantifying it, and yet there you are. It, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it's clearly paid off what they've been doing to help get these guys in the right position to handle those things. Let's step aside. We'll take our first time out here on today's show, and then Locked On Blue Devils will continue here in a moment. Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. You know how much we love FanDuel. I'm telling you, it is the number one sports book in America. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, three-point shots drained in these NBA games, and so much more. March Madness is here. You know they got you covered for the tournament with big, awesome deals taking place at FanDuel, including, again, the no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, I'm JJ Jackson alongside my pal Connor O'Neill from the Devils Illustrated. Connor, Tell me a little bit about your work as we go into tournament week. Want to make sure people are reading you for sure because your coverage has been great this season. Uh, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so that's at Devils Illustrated. The address is duke.rivals.com. Um, got some great stuff up there from Greensboro. Uh, the, the most recent story was being able to catch up with Jay Lucas and Emil Jefferson, two first-year assistant coaches with Duke, and kind of take their – thoughts on Duke's growth and whether, you know, that's talking to them right after they won in Greensboro. So taking, uh, taking the approach of, you know, did you see this coming? And that's a good story up there. And, you know, I'm, I'm down here in Orlando. We'll be talking to the players here in a matter of hours. Um, we'll have some, some great coverage for you all weekend. Yeah. Check it out for sure. What Connor O'Neill's got going on there. So Duke is heading to Orlando. They're already there. As you said today, they're going to go through shoot around. They'll be ready to have a practice there on the floor and get prepared for this matchup against Oral Roberts. If Duke's able to win, of course they play again on Saturday per usual with the NCAA tournament set up there. So with that being said, and looking at where Duke is seated, that has been a massive topic of conversation this week. If you're watching us on YouTube, we've put the field of 68 up on the screen for folks to look at from the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. When you look at all of this and you look at where Duke ended up, Connor, what do you think? I was surprised they weren't a four seed and they weren't playing in Greensboro. I think the Greensboro to Orlando aspect of things – um, it might be a blessing that Duke is not in Greensboro. It might be kind of a good thing that, okay, you just – you played these three games. You played well. Greensboro, you'd obviously have a ton of crowd support with the local crowd there. Uh, Duke fans travel. Like, that's the one thing that I've kind of reminded myself when thinking about that. 
Like I, I think they could put Duke in Alaska and Duke would still have some fans there. It's a national <laughs> brand. Yeah. Uh, it, they're, that's not so much a concern. And also the blessing in disguise of it is you just, you just had this great crowning achievement there. Sometimes, sometimes when you go back to that site, it's just not the same. It's, it's tough to recapture Absolutely. and kind of get yourself motivated to be in the same place. Do I think that all is a huge factor in how Duke plays at the end of the day? No, not really. Like, this is a team that, like I said, they've been trending in the right direction for so long that it's it's hard to see things like that throwing them out of rhythm. It, it's if, – if something is going to happen to throw this team for a loop, it's going to be a team, like, making eight out of 12 three-pointers at some point or, or something crazy like that. It's not going to be location. It's not going to be seed. The one thing that I want to that I that I'm curious to ask the players about is the seed because I just want to get a gauge like uh, F- Flip and um, Ryan Young kind of have made a made a couple re- not even references they've straight up told us like they feel disrespected um, they've kind of they've taken a lot of criticism and kind of bundled it all into this yeah motivation uh, that they've unfurled on, on their opponents here in the last four weeks. Um, I want to know if, you know, maybe a five seed's too high in their mind. Maybe they wanted to be a, a 10 seed so they could still hold on <laughs> to disrespect that, that angle of things. Um, but yeah, that, that's something that I just want to gauge with them. Uh, I think the five seed, you know, if even if you're disappointed in being the five, it's kind of a favorable draw. Uh, I say that with with full knowledge that the jinxes are real. Um, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious type of uh, yeah. Michael Scott there for you. There you, you go. Um, you, your your four seed on that line is a Tennessee team that lost its point guard a few months ago and has not been playing that well. Uh, your one seed in the possible Sweet 16 matchup. That's, you know, whatever chapter it would be of the redemption tour that Duke has been dealing out over the last couple weeks. So I, I do think that things kind of line up well for Duke, despite the the five seed and where they could have been. Um, I, I had a I had a brief thought of like, man, this is is this the lowest seed for a ACC champion in how many years? And then I was reminded that. Virginia Tech won the ACC championship last year and I think was an 11 seed. Right. <laughs> so we just had to go back one year. No, you're right about that. So Yeah, all, all the way back to yeah. the, uh, long the time ago. ago. Yes, yes. Old heads. Mike Krzyzewski was still in the game coaching that long ago <laughs> when, uh, when that played out. So, again, the field of 68 here, Duke comes in at 18 when you look at all of the five seeds counted out. Uh, and the rest of the field as well. Oral Roberts, their opposition at 48. Virginia, who Duke just knocked off in the title, two spots ahead of the Blue Devils. And Miami, uh, a team that Duke also just defeated, two spots below Duke in this one. So as we take more of a closer look at what's to come this week in uh, Orlando, you mentioned kind of the uh, difference in size amongst the big fellas for uh, Oral Roberts and a small fella in their guard. What what exactly can we expect out of the Golden Eagles? You think they are an elite offensive team? 
And part of that has to do with strength of schedule. Um, their strength of schedule overall was 260th in the country. Um, they played the, like three of their losses came to NCAA tournament teams. Uh, they lost to St. Mary's by eight. They lost to Utah State by 10. They lost to Houston by 38. Um, that's kind of the one that you look at and say, that's really the only team they played with similar athletes as Duke is going to have. And yeah. Houston ran them off the court. It was also in mid-November. Uh, teams improve a lot between mid-November and mid-March. Uh, as, as you've only got to look at Duke to understand that uh, journey and growth. Um, it's a team that launches threes, right? They... Uh, to, to cite another Ken Palm stat here, uh, 45.8% of their field goal attempts are threes. Um, they, they get them up. Uh, even the, even the seven foot five guy has made 43 threes this year out of 129. That's he's a, you know, 33% uh, is not the greatest Quite percentage. Impressive. Yeah. But when you're a seven, five guy, you gotta get yeah, it to that's you. A pretty, that's a pretty <laughs> good percentage. Uh, yeah. That's not what you'd expect. The no. where this works for Duke though is Duke runs everybody off the three point line. Uh, they make it so hard to to get shots off from threes and to make them. Uh, there's only been three teams out of 34 games against Duke where a team's made double digit threes, and that's ten. They've each time it's been ten makes. Um, and two of them were back-to-back games. It was the, uh, if I remember correctly, it was Clemson and Miami. The Miami game that was the win and then the loss at Clemson. So Duke's length on the perimeter, it, it's its such a hindrance for teams to try to shoot over them, uh, to try to get open looks. Duke, you know, John Shires made no secrets about wanting to build this team defensively first. Uh, and, and one of the areas that they really excel is getting out on the three point line and making it really difficult for you to, to get shots off over their, their length. And so they say you can go inside and you can try to score over Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski two seven footers. That's, you know, that it's, it's the recipe for what we've seen. It's a, it's an elite defensive team. You're watching and listening to Lockdown Blue Devils here today on this Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Connor O'Neill from the Devils Illustrated. Let's talk about Duke from the three-point line now. We spent a good bit of time talking about Oral Roberts, what they're able to do, including the seven-foot-five fella in Connor Vanover who played at Arkansas to begin his college career. Duke had a little run-in with the Hawks last year in their March Madness run. And so we take a look at this uh, particular Duke squad. When it comes to three-point shooting, how big of a factor could that be? Now that we're in March, now that you need your shots to be falling, because, hey, survive and advance is really true at this portion of the season. Where's this Duke team at right now when it comes to shooting the three? Yeah, I had a lot of fun after they lit up Pitt. Yeah. Uh, they made 11 of their first 21 threes against Pitt in that 96-69 palindrome will win in the ACC tournament. Uh, my 
my question to I think to Flip and to Ryan Young, those are kind of my go-tos in the locker room. I like Mark Mitchell too, and Jeremy Roach is always good to talk to. But with Young and Flip, I ask like, you know, if if you guys shoot the three that way, then what is this team's ceiling? And Flip comes out and says, this is a championship team when we shoot like that. Um, they don't necessarily have to make more than 50% of their threes uh, <laughs> to be a championship team. I, I think there's a little um, discerning to be made there. But uh, when I talked to Ryan Young about it, he's like, yes, that was, that was great. That was wonderful. Uh, we can't count on that every game. Like that is not going to happen. You know, we, we still have to be a team that plays inside out. Uh, but when the threes are falling, then that's great. That makes us even more dangerous. So then in the next game against Miami, when they make eight of 16, I went back to Ryan and he was the first one I sought out in the interview room. And it was just like, okay, so you told me that wasn't a repeatable performance. <laughs> uh, you guys shot a better percentage. Uh, you know, the, the pit percentage was skewed because there were about seven minutes of, of just backups in the game. But uh, he he got a laugh out of that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it was repeatable for us in this game. Uh, you know, but, you know, go figure. The guy with the Northwestern degree is going to be level-headed and, and kind of <laughs> keep things in perspective. But, yeah, um, this is – I'm, I'm kind of right there with Ryan. I think – it's still not a team that it's they're not going to blow the doors off of the next six games or however many games they're not going to blow the door off from three in every game. Uh, they're, you know, if you look, if you go by percentages, they might be unlikely to do it in half of the games that they play in the tournament. But when they do shoot like that, um, man, they're going to be that much tougher to beat. Uh, they're just, it's just a, it's an added element uh, that that really makes everything more difficult about playing them. And it feels as though everyone has really improved their three-point numbers individually throughout the season as we've gone through this stretch run here. Uh, and you can take a look at those numbers right now if you're watching us on YouTube. Really impressive. A lot of the guys that are making an impact, as we talked about, right out of the gates. And as it's been the story for the majority of the season. We get to remind people that this is the case now that we're going into March Madness. But this is a very young and inexperienced Duke basketball team. Five of the top seven in numbers are freshmen who have never experienced March Madness or the big dance before. They've watched the event on television throughout their entire lives, I would imagine, for many of them. And now they're getting a chance to step onto the floor in Orlando tomorrow to take on an Oral Roberts team who does have a little bit of history in March, who is more of the experienced bunch and that sort of thing. So the freshman perspective, the freshman angle in all of this, Connor, how does that sit with you? What intrigues you? Just how this, how they start. Um, that's that's what I really feel like you have to pay attention to in the first Great point. eight minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, if I don't, I can I tell you know, everything. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a reason to believe they're going to come out and start slow. Like they've been a mature team. They, you know, John has has mentioned a few times over the last couple of weeks. Like these guys are not freshmen anymore. They've played so many minutes. I kind of to to compare it with my dual citizenship covering Wake Forest also. Like they've got a freshman, Bobby Clintman, who actually was a high school teammate of Mark Mitchell's last year at Sunrise Christian in Kansas. 
he was a freshman at the end of the year. Like he did not his his role kind of fluctuated and he was good in spots and then he was he's a little inconsistent because that's what freshmen are. Uh the majority of Duke's freshmen, the vast majority of Duke's freshmen, they've been playing the same roles all season. They've been on the court, they've been in battles, they they lost at Clemson, Virginia Tech, they got run off the court at Miami and NC State. Like they they know these feelings. They've been out there, they've been playing you know, anywhere from 28 to 35 minutes a game. Uh, it's just the experience of it being the NCAA tournament that, that gives me pause and hesitation to see, all right, how how do they handle this challenge? Uh, how's how's it going to work when, you know, they're, the TV timeouts are a little longer, uh, going through the longer TV timeouts, <laughs> through, you know, all the all the pomp and circumstance that comes with an NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, that's what's going to be interesting to see how they handle. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow night, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern. The tip-off for Duke and Oral Roberts there in Orlando. Connor, you're already there. You're ready to get to work today and leading into tomorrow's coverage of the game. Folks can follow you on Twitter at Connor O'Neill underscore D-I, duke.rivals.com. Just want to say once again, thank you for joining us on the program today. Always a blast to talk with you, my friend. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, JJ. That's my pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated joining us here on today's show. And that's going to bring today's show to a close here on Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. Thank you, as always, for your support here of the program. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube as we continue to climb towards 1,000 subscribers. Definitely want to make sure I give a happy birthday shout out to my mom today. Certainly do love you, mom. Appreciate you listening to us each and every day here on Locked On Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's show. We're back at it tomorrow with a full preview of Duke and Oral Roberts. I'm JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.